Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Being help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. The views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines that I call USA Inc. It is a Monday evening, just a couple of minutes after 6 o'clock p.m. here on the East Coast. It is September the 24th, 2018, and just happy I made it through the weekend. Not that I go anywhere that I have to worry about these slave catchers behind these enemy lines. I I pretty much live a shut-in life by choice, so I just spare myself a lot of the stuff that people go through, but I hope that you made it through the weekend safe and sound as well, because remember, this country is still practicing slavery. That's the United States, still practicing slavery, and they got a place for everyone on those prison plantations. They making lots of money off of your body. All right, so got a number of things to uh, share with you. Nothing in particular, but there has been some news developments concerning different areas of people activity. I'll probably only be on air for about an hour, um, but possibly more if we need the time. But if not, I need to be... um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I need to use my time wisely because I have a lot of things to do. Um, do want to apologize for those that did not catch my messages on btrcommunity.com. 
that I would not be doing a live program the last couple of days of the week. But, you know, North Carolina got hit by Hurricane Florence. And while the area that I live in, the community that I live in, was spared um, much of the devastation and destruction, there was some cleanup that we had to do with uh, smaller limbs and what have you all over the yard and uh, hadn't been able to cut the grass during the storm, of course. So I was just dehydrated. I, I don't drink enough water, and I'm trying to make a point to get my eight glasses of water a day. And no, coffee does not count as water. It may be liquid, but it's it made from water, but it's, it's not water. And I drink a little bit too much coffee, although some might say, that is uh, why I don't have any traces of cancer, along with some other things that I do. But, uh, yeah, I was just too dehydrated after being out there. It was hot and muggy today. Man, it's an overcast day. It feels great outside. Um, but I wasn't able to cut the rest of the yard because of, um, I forget what they call it, the control wire broke on my lawnmower, which allows, you know, it's a self-propelled lawnmower, and I can't even crank the lawnmower without that, so I ordered it. It should be here Wednesday. Um, hopefully the grass don't get too high uh, by the end. Got, you know, just a lot more grass to cut than most people have to cut, and I have a push lawnmower, even though it's self-propelled. So I was just too tired and dehydrated to do live programs last week, and I had posted notice of that on btrcommunity.com, uh, which you just heard the promo for, which is a social media platform that was managed, uh, that's set up and managed by the Black Talk Media Project, which also is the uh, organization responsible for the Black Talk Radio Network. Speaking of social media, I heard another um, conservative got banned on Twitter. As I was going through some of my YouTube subscriptions, I saw that We Are Change, and I didn't have an opportunity to listen to the um, entire broadcast they did talking about, you know, basically asking, is Trump going to do something about these big tech companies in uh in the wake of another prominent conservative James Woods the actor who I think should stick to acting cause uh you know his politics are in the toilet um very immature to be a old old as he is and engages in a lot of name calling and making other questionable you know statements on Twitter but he got banned from Twitter um and I found that out through We Are Change. And so I was like, well, what was he banned for? What did he say? So I found out that what happened was is that he shared a meme or he posted a meme that was full of disinformation and was a straight up lie saying that the Democratic Party had told men not to vote in the midterm elections coming up. And so Twitter reached out to him and with all the scrutiny on interference in elections with other people, other accounts being suspended because they allegedly interfered in the 2016 presidential elections by telling you Hillary Clinton was a piece of crap. <laughs> in addition to some other truthful information, but you know, they could, they, they have caved into the, 
um, pressure that Russia, this narrative that Russia interfered in the election by um, promoting stuff on, on social media. So they asked James Woods to delete the tweet that had the disinformation concerning the upcoming midterm elections. And so he's going to fall on his sword and say that I'm not deleting it. Now, to me, that's a self uh, exile. He's exiling himself. He wants to stand by his supposed right to post disinformation and lies to a privately held platform. And that's the key thing that people keep forgetting. These aren't government platforms. These are private platforms. And like I posted on We Are Changes um, YouTube video in the comment section, as a platform manager, as a platform creator for a privately held nonprofit that isn't an extension of the U.S. government, I reserve the right to ban anyone for any reason. Now, obviously, I'm going to try to be reasonable, and just because I don't agree with you doesn't mean that, hey, I'm going to ban you because we're not on the same page or anything like that. No, you have to really be in, engaged in some disrespectful, anti-black, anti-African, just crap in order for me to ban you. You, I mean, you really have to have to viol, violate, you know, um, a number of things in order for me to ban you. And some of those people, I, I, I didn't ban them from the social media platform. I just kicked them off the radio station. You know why? Because I don't want Black Talk Radio. I'm talking about the station, not the platform, because we have independent, um, you know, radio station owners on our platform that's doing their own thing. And I, I don't have time to be listening to everything that's, that's going out over the platform. Hey, they contracted to lease a radio stream, okay? And the ones we do have, you know, they're pretty logical. They're not purposely putting out disinformation. They're not engaged in anti-blackness or anti-Africanism and what have you. So, you know, I, I'm not worried about them. But I I did kick a, a program off of this station. Now, I did offer to build them their own platform uh, through Black Talk Media Project Services. Hey, you want to go claim that Africans, uh, African Americans have no genetic connection to Africans? If, if you want to say the transatlantic slave trade never happened and, and wooden ships didn't bring anybody here from Africa, let alone Europe, you know, they never talk about, well, how did all these Europeans get here? That you're acknowledging as Europeans. Did they fly in a plane or, or what have you? Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I just can't tolerate that, man. I don't want this to be known as InfoWars. This is not Alex Jones' platform, all right? I, I don't I don't want this station to be known for promoting conspiracy theories where there's not even any circumstantial evidence and, and the people don't engage in logical deduction and they just put out crazy stuff, man. I don't want this network to be known known for that, you know? Again, I, I can't control all the different platforms and podcasts, excuse me, uh, radio stations and platforms, but to my knowledge, nobody um, is engaging in that sort of thing. And so, I, you know, reputation means something. You know, having a reputation for telling the truth, having a reputation for doing your research, 
uh, have, you know, that, that, that means a lot to me. Credibility means a lot to me. And I'm not going to allow somebody to come on. I don't care if they paying for the service or not. No, keep your money. You're not going to engage in anti-blackness and anti-Africanism uh, on this station. You want you want to do that? Hey, let's build you a platform. Oh, you don't want to build your own platform. You just want to come on Black Talk Radio and spread this disinformation and all this garbage. So anyway, I say screw James Woods. If he don't want to delete the tweet and he supposes he has a right on somebody else's platform to spread disinformation and he doesn't want to, and he wants to accept the lifetime ban because he wants to keep that tweet, then that's his bed. Let him lie in it. You know, no pun intended because he's telling lies. That's what he wants to do. If he don't want to adhere to somebody else's rules on something they built, then you build your own. That's what you do. That's how you solve that problem. But to think that your rights trump the rights of, or your supposed rights trump the rights of platform creators, then I, I have to say, you know, uh, um, you're wrong. You're just flat out wrong. I, as an individual, have rights. If I create something with my hands, with my intellect, with my money, you don't have no right to be telling me what to do and what not to do, okay? But Twitter can. Twitter can. If that's their house rules, you don't want to obey the house rules, then find somewhere else to post. Go get Alex Jones to start a social media platform. Hell, I only paid $300 for the software, which, you know, uh, uh, listeners donated that money to the Black Talk Media Project to, to purchase the software to build our own social network. $300, that's all it costs. Alex Jones, James Woods got $300. Let him go build a social media platform and all the conservatives and people who think like him, then they can congregate on that platform and spread all the lies and dis disinformation they choose to. Okay, so I, I don't understand what's so hard to understand about your rights, you don't get to intrude on other people's rights. And the creators of Twitter and other social media platforms, while I may have issues with them, is they built it. They spent the money to develop it. Okay? If I don't like it, I can find somewhere else, which I have. Okay? I ain't never had an issue with Twitter, but I have had issues with Facebook. Okay? My only issue with Twitter was... What took you so long to ban a person like Alex Jones who had been violating your terms of service for years? Okay, Facebook, I got an issue with on a, for a number of different reasons. That's why I'm not on Facebook like I used to be. It might be days before I might check my messages on Facebook and respond to some stuff that people have directed at me. But I'm really not, really not on there. I, I'm really not really engaging in that so much social media period. Um, but you can find me on BTR community. If I'm going to post something, it's most likely I'm going to post it there first. All right. So let me give out the telephone number in case anybody has any questions or comments concerning the news of the day. You can give us a call at 704 802 5056, that's 704 802 5056. 
hit star starter, unmute yourself, just watch your background noise. Just a real quick review of some of the stories I'm going to get into. Again, only plan on doing an hour, um, but I can go over that hour if need be. All right, so here's some of the things that I wanted to share with the listening audience this evening. Um, the killer cop by the name of Amber Geiger has been finally, um, and I shouldn't say finally, because then that means I agree with some of the criticisms uh, directed towards the Dallas police chief and saying she was trying to cover it up and she's a coon and all of that kind of stuff because they didn't fire this woman right away. And I'll get into that commentary when I get into this article. But she's been fired from the Dallas uh, Police Department. Um, and I also found an article, a related article from 2015 to explain to some people why the police, and I'm not one for protecting police, but I'm one for being honest. I'm one for being objective and just stating the facts as they are. And I and I did post an article that we can get into about why it may have taken them a couple of weeks. There are federal laws which uh, the police chief cited in a press conference she gave this morning, but there are Here's from the Huffington Post, and this is from, I think, 2016. U.S. laws protect police, but endanger civilians. So there are federal laws, there are state laws that give police officers uh, uh, special rights and protect them from getting fired. It's not so easy just to fire a cop. I don't care what they did. You still got to go by the law. So I'm not in agreement with people calling that black woman a coon or trying to say she's trying to cover up something. And you lack evidence. You in your feelings. You know, that's what you are. You in your feelings. That's what you That's what you really are engaged in. All right, I've also found another article um, by politifact.com. And this comes from 2016, but I missed it. But it's apropos to discussing or the main thing I like to talk about, and that's the fact that slavery was never abolished in the United States. And so they did like a fact check on State Senator Lena Taylor, who is a Milwaukee Democrat, so she's in Wisconsin, and she is trying to get an amendment in 2020, I don't know why it takes so long, why it wouldn't be on this year, but this article was published in 2016, but she stated that she's reintroducing her slavery ban. So she she tried to do something like what Colorado was doing right now with, what's the amendment? I'm forgetting the amendment. Uh, last year was Amendment T. I think this year they're calling it Amendment A. But what it will do is remove the exception for slavery as punishment from crime for crime from the state constitution. Wisconsin has that in their constitution. So I this got by me, and it was shared uh, on social media, and I was just uh, kind of tickled by what how they rated her statement that you know slavery is legal in Wisconsin. So they did a fact check. It, it's this. Milwaukee Democrat State Senator Lena Taylor, is she correct in saying slavery 
it's legal in Wisconsin, so definitely want to take a look at that. Uh, the Army. Now, I mentioned this earlier uh, this morning on Tando Radio Show, uh, which I'm the technical producer, and I will chime in from time to time. But I mentioned this article today. The U.S. Army is blaming a strong economy for missing its recruiting goal. Um, for the first time in 13 years, the Army has failed to meet its annual recruiting goal, and Army officials believe a strong U.S. economy is partially to blame. Like I said this morning on Tando, um, what that means is, hey, too many people finding jobs, and they just not desperate enough to join the U.S. Army and get sent overseas to get killed, maimed, or traumatized in any kind, and 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 whether they're male or female, maybe they they've read about all the rape that's rampant in the U.S. Arms uh, Forces, and they're like, I don't want to risk it. I can find a job out here. Um, I'm not going in, you know. So um, definitely want to take a look at that. That's from ABC News. Iran, Iran. This is from Reuters. Iran is warning. Uh, the U.S. and Israel of revenge after an attack uh, on a parade. You know, the uh, Iran's Revolutionary Guard, they had a parade where they were marking the, I don't know if it was the start or the end of their war with Iraq, which was actually uh, pushed. The Iraqis were being based, Saddam Hussein at the time, was being backed by the United States, you know. Uh, they even sold Saddam chemical weapons against the, to use against the Iranians. So they was having a parade and up to four gunmen, it could have been more, I don't know, but what I'm reading is four gunmen just started firing on defenseless people, even killed a little baby and what have you. And um, Iran... Um, seems to believe that the U.S. and Israel is behind it, although from several articles I've read, they've placed the primary blame on Saudi Arabia. And a lot of people don't understand, you know, you know something I never hear, a term I never hear, which is it's ridiculous, but Muslim-on-Muslim violence or crime or something like that. Um you know, there is a religious, all Muslims do not belong to the same denomination. I don't know if they call it denominations like, just like in Christianity. All all churches, all Christians do not have the same beliefs. They don't belong to the same denominations. You have Protestants, you have Catholics, but even within the Protestant uh, uh, Reformation, Everybody don't believe the same things and, and what have you. You have different denominations. And so that, you know, that's really what's playing out in the Middle East. You have Sunnis versus Shia. Um, in Saudi Arabia, they're predominantly Sunni. In Iran, they're pr predominantly Shia. And that's where a lot of the Muslim on Muslim violence is coming from. It's because of that. And also other factors. It's just not simply because of that. Um, also, Russia is going to send the S-300 missile defense system to Syria. Um, this is a game changer in Syria, so to speak, in terms of the Israelis being able to continue 
to invade the sovereign airspace of the uh, nation of Syria, which is being assisted by Russia, Iran, and China, China to a lesser degree, um, and assisting them in putting down uh, these terrorists inside the country and putting down the Western back uh, coup attempt. It's really, you know, they call it a civil war. It's really a coup attempt and what have you. Um, so they're going to send these S-300 missile defense systems to Syria, the Russians are, which they actually had agreed to sell to the Syrians back in 2013. But Putin made a deal with Netanyahu not to send it to him. But because the Israelis are, are uh, Russia is blaming the Israelis for the shooting down of a Russian um, reconnaissance plane, uh, Putin saying, okay, that's how y'all want to play. We're going to go ahead and deliver them missile defense systems to Syria. And that, and that's a game changer. As I was talking about it on Tendo Radio Show today, um, if Libya had had this kind of technology, the United States and France would not have been able to invade their airspace and provide uh, uh, air power for the terrorists that they used on the ground to overthrow Libya. And look at Libya now, man. I, I was just reading about a bunch of people uh, got killed over the weekend from these different uh, factions fighting each other inside of Libya. One of the most prosperous, um, advanced nations in Africa, and, and look what they turned it into, all right? And so if, if, if um, Gaddafi... And Libya had these S-300 systems, then it's possibly Gaddafi would still be around today. And and, and Libya would still be intact. All right. A um, couple of more stories that I'll touch upon briefly. Uh, the New Yorker has published a article about a new allegation of sexual misconduct against the Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. Um, this comes from not his high school years, as the first um, alleged victim has has said, where he, you know, tried to sexually assault her. According to her, I wasn't there, so I don't know these things for for a fact. Um, but now you have one of his Yale classmates by the name of Deborah Ramirez coming coming uh, forward and saying that you know they were drinking and stuff in the dorm. And she was kind of passed out and, and opened up her eyes and, and Kavanaugh then pulled down his pants and was teabagging her, you know, sticking his penis in her face. Who knows? He might even put his nutsack on, on her on her forehead. That's where the term teabagging comes from. And, uh, of course, Kavanaugh's in full denial. And we'll look at some of the details. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting story to me and only that. It brings up the question, should be pe should people be accountable for stuff that happened 30, 40 years ago when they were immature youth? Well, it, it just depends on what they did is, is what I say. It, it depends. But I do agree with Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine that what's more relevant today is if they're going to lie about it, if there's evidence that it did happen, 
but you lied to Congress under oath or you lied to the Senate during the Senate confirmation hearings to cover it up. Like I told somebody else, hey, just admit it. If you did it, and you know you did, and there's other witnesses to this second person, um, Demir, uh, Deborah Ramirez, and then um, people who heard about what he had did, um, you know, later on, um, just say, hell, I was a young person back then. I had a drinking problem. You all know how college is and even high school and underage drinking and all of that. And I, I don't particularly remember this particular incident, but if I did it, you know, to do the OJ thing, if I did it, you know, if I did it, I apologize, you know, but I don't think that I should be, um, you know, prevented from this, that, or the other because I made some mistakes in my youth, you know, but then there's the political flip side of that. Was Kavanaugh and his defenders position on juvenile lifers and, and, and people who commit quote-unquote crimes, indiscretions that don't involve rape or murder, but even if they did rape or murder somebody, depending upon the circumstances, again, there's no justification for rape or murder, but, you know, depending upon the circumstances, maybe somebody forced them to do it. Maybe they were just alone for the ride and didn't know it was going to happen or what happened. But, hey, hey, are you saying we shouldn't punish these people for life and put them into prison for life because of something they did when they were very immature and science says their brain wasn't fully developed and then there was alcohol and drugs involved further impairing their uh, mental faculty. So, you know, I, I, I think that a lot of people are being hypocrites when it comes to that. You don't want to break Kavanaugh to not get nominated to the Supreme Court because of something he did 30, 40 years ago. But you certainly find with people who were sentenced as children to 30 or 40 or 50 or even life in prison. So that's my only interest in, in this, really. Um, as far as I believe if they hold a vote, regardless of what he has alleged to have done, he's going to get confirmed I have no doubt about that because I, I just don't see any uh, Republicans that's going to vote against him. I, I could be wrong, but I mean, hell, you got a president who admitted to sexually assaulting people saying, hey, celebrities, we get to grab women by the by their vaginas and, and what have you. And they'll let you do it and all this and that. And then all the other indiscretions that he had, not even as a young man, but as a, a Full grown man, you know, all, all cheating on his wife and and other allegations of misconduct, sexual misconduct, and what have you. So, them people don't seem to care about Trump's past. I don't think they'll care about Kavanaugh, even if it was uh, shown to be one hundred percent the truth. They just simply don't. We don't live in a moral country, so um, thinking that people uh, are going to vote against him based on morals. Uh, I don't know where you, what reality you living in, but I've been shown that this morality doesn't matter in this country. All right, it just really doesn't. So, with that said, man, I spent 30 minutes talking about the intro. All right, so I want to get into the main story, though. 
and that is the Dallas police firing this woman. Uh, this comes to you from CNN. The woman's name is Amber Geiger. Uh, she was charged with manslaughter in the shooting of uh, Botham Jean inside his Dallas apartment. Um, according to a statement by Dallas police chief, Ulysha, I, I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. Um, it's spelled U-L-Y-S-H-A. I wonder if they was trying to name her after Ulysses S. Grants, but it's Alicia, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Alicia Renee Hall, but she is the Dallas police chief, and um, she was fired. She fired um, Amber Geiger today. Now, John's mother, Allison John, uh, learned of Geiger's termination, according to this article, during a Sunday evening conference call with Hall family attorney Ashley Merritt said that Monday. She also offered an explanation of why it took so long, explaining that she had to consider Miss Geiger's Fifth Amendment protection specifically so that her termination action wouldn't compromise the criminal matter and lead to really the criminal allegations being thrown out altogether. Now, that makes sense to me. Now, let me let me correct something I put out on social media a couple of weeks weeks ago. And it's not that I was trying to take a dig at black women or anything like that or or casting any kind of blame or allegations towards the black police chief or the black uh, district attorney who's also a black woman. What I said was, if I remember it, I'm going to paraphrase what I said. What I said was, okay, since those people out here complaining about how this case is being um, handled, then look no further than the black woman who's the police chief and the black woman who's the district attorney. And you, you know, but we want to hashtag stuff talking about black girl magic and and suggest to people that we should vote for people based on skin color or vote for them because they are black girls or black women and they have magic. They're magical and all this and that. So I'm like, how does that fit into the context of you complaining about these black women who were um the district attorney was elected. The police chief was hired by the mayor, I, I would assume, or the city council. I'm not sure how they do things in Dallas. So that was not me agreeing with people's complaints about why this taking so long. Because it really hasn't taken that long. And when you consider the fact that you have federal laws and state laws that give these extra protections to police and other civil servants, then it makes sense if you're trying to get a conviction to dot your I's and cross your T's and not be rushing to put something through so that you can appease public opinion. If you want to, you want to make sure that you do things right. Okay. You want to make sure that you do things right. Now, it may have taken them, what, three, four days to arrest her? I think it was three days to arrest her. Okay? And people saying, oh, if this was a regular citizen, 
But it wasn't a regular citizen. It was a cop. It wasn't you shooting your neighbor or your upstairs neighbor or your next door neighbor. It wasn't it wasn't you. It was a cop. So there's a totally uh, different set of variables there where then different sets of laws kick in. Okay? So again, I understand people getting in their emotions and and not really thinking about these things in context of, of what, you know, the process is. We want something. We want it now. We want it instantly and all this. And like my mom said when I was talking to her about it, she was like, you know, some of us are, are just given to conspiracy theories and, and we won't want to, we can't wait to say, oh, they they covering it up and, and blah, 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 regardless of any kind of facts or any other variables or whatnot. Let's just admit it. Some of us just, uh, that's just our default setting is everything's a cover up and what have you. But, you know, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not. And I don't have any criticism thus far for this Dallas police chief um, in regards to this case. I don't have any any um, criticism of the district attorney. And it has nothing to do with, with the fact that they black women. Okay? Skin color don't matter to me in this in, in these instances. What what does it matter? The only way skin color would matter to me if they could confirm that Amber Geiger was a, was a racist. If they went in her apartment, went through her belongings, and found a, a copy of Mein Camp by Hitler, if they found Confederate paraphernalia, if, if they found white, if she had white supremacist tattoos on, or in her Facebook post, she's making blatantly racist comments and giving the secret white power symbol, um, which really isn't a symbol, but it is now because people are using it. In such a fashion, you know, that's the okay sign with the other two fingers extended, you know, to make a W with, with the uh, three fingers and what have it. If you can show me all of that, then I feel comfortable interjecting race into the conversation. But absent any of that, I'm going to follow my codification and I'm going to refer to it. We got to kill a cop who murdered this man Botham John. And these are the facts. Okay? So, but I don't have any criticism of this woman. Um, let's go ahead and give a listen to this article. I mean, excuse me, um, this um, video, the audio part portion of this video, obviously, of the police chief. What's her last name again? Um, police chief Renee uh, Hall. I'll just call her Hall Lulu. Ulysha, I think that's how you pronounce her name, Dallas Police Chief Ulysha Renee Hall giving a press conference this morning. Uh, effective immediately, uh, Amber Geiger is no longer with the Dallas Police Department. Uh, that uh, decision and hearing was held this morning uh, at approximately 10 a.m. Chief, you said last week you couldn't fire her because you didn't interfere with the investigation. No, you said that. My statement was always that Amber Geiger was afforded certain laws by the federal government, which is Garrity, as well as civil service laws. And although those laws protect her from incriminating herself, 
those same statements, if they were to get in the hands of the individuals that are conducting an investigation, could impact the outcome of the investigation. As a police chief, my job is to ensure the integrity, the highest level of integrity in this criminal investigation, and that is what I did, and I waited until the critical portion of this investigation was complete. The investigation is ongoing, but the critical portion where it could be compromised is no longer an issue. Okay, so not a lot of information there as as it pertains to the specific information that they got from her. Um, um, I don't know if it was from perhaps going through her belongings. I still don't know if there was a warrant issue. I don't know if it was because of a toxicology report showing she was drunk at the time. I don't know. I, I just simply don't know. Those details weren't shared. But she's been fired. But like the chief uh, said, uh, said, there are federal laws. There's also state laws. I don't know about uh, the state of Texas, but I know for a fact in Missouri, um, they passed like what's known as a police bill of rights and what have you. Um, and that's why I pulled up that article. Now, let me walk back something I said. Let me take something back that I said when I said I don't have any criticism of this police chief. I do have some criticism of that police department in regards to the investigation. And while some people try to put it off on the Texas Rangers who took over the investigation, that doesn't mean the Dallas police investigators just stood down. That just means they were following the lead of the Texas department. Uh, excuse me, the Texas Rangers. But from the information that I have read and that I can gather, it was Dallas police detectives that requested a warrant to search for drugs and drug paraphernalia in Botham John's apartment. And I believe it was Ross who shared um, a YouTube video of AM Joy, which is on MSNBC. I, I, I think it comes on only on Saturdays. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, they had a very good panel discussion um, about that. And I like the way that the family attorney Merritt pushed back on this notion that it's completely normal for the police to go get a warrant to search for drugs on a murder victim. Okay? Now, some people try to put that off on the Texas Rangers. No, this warrant was requested by the Dallas police detectives. Now, my questions to the chief would be, did you sign off on that? Did they come to you? Were you in the loop that these detectives was going to seek these, these uh, uh, warrants to search for drugs in his apartment? Which would be irrelevant to him being murdered or killed, okay? Right now, she's only facing manslaughter charges. I need more information before I can say it was premeditated murder, although it, I think second-degree murder could apply, and which I heard the, the uh, district attorney um, may be seeking those type of charges with a grand jury, although she's already been arrested. Um, but, yeah. Uh, in BTR community, Ross posted that video, and I thought, you know, it was great that that attorney 
brought that up. That's not normal. That is not normal. So I take back, I don't have any criticisms for the police chief. I do in regards to her knowledge, her input. Did she have anything to do with it's her chief, the buck, she's the chief, the buck stops at her desk. But was she aware? Did she sign off on them seeking a warrant for drugs in his apartment? So that's the only criticism that I have based off of available evidence as of right now. But to her point, to her point about the federal laws and even the state laws, and they're mostly known as a policeman's bill of rights. See, this is why politics matter. This is why voting matters. Elected officials put these things on the books. The only way you're going to get them off the books is by way of elected officials. So anybody that tells you voting doesn't matter, I would say that you shouldn't listen to that person. It absolutely does matter. We can argue about the degree to which it matters and where it matters most. We can argue about that. We can debate about that. But to say that it doesn't matter, um, that's just nonsense to me. It's not logical. Um, I don't think it's logical that people would prohibit people or try to take away people's right to vote if it didn't matter. But how how do laws get on the books? By people who are voted on with an agenda that they're going to put into law. So while this is an old article from 2016, it appeared on Huffington Post and it's titled by it's titled US laws protect police but endanger civilians. So let me share a bit from this. In the sixth GOP debate, Donald Trump told Americans the police are the most mistreated people in this country. On the same day, the Chicago Police Department released a video showing an officer killing Cedric Chapman in 2013. The team was sprinting away at the time of the shooting, unarmed, except for a stolen cell phone box. The officer has faced no consequences for his death. The ritual of an unnecessary police killing with no real accountability has become painfully familiar. The unnecessary deaths of Tamir Rice and Eric Garner in 2014 are among those that galvanized a national movement for greater restraint, accountability, and equity in policing. And yet, 2015 may have been American cops' deadliest year on record. According to my analysis of the Fatal Encounters database, police violence directly caused or played a role in 1,126 deaths in 2015, up from 1,072 deaths in 2014. So he's talking about, so there's no confusion, he's talking about cops killing citizens, not violence done against cops. Um, outrage over high-profile incidents in a shift in public opinion has led police departments around the nation to equip more officers with cameras and add de-escalation training. But no local, state, or federal lawmakers have banned police from using unnecessary deadly force. Now, this actually goes towards 
something I talked about last week from the defense attorney of Mr. Van Dyke, I can't remember his first name, um, who killed the teenager Laquan McDonald in Chicago. And the defense attorney made a statement that really just made me take note of that the killing wasn't unlawful. Okay? That it, although, even if Laquan McDonald posed no danger to the officer's life, there is no law that says that it was an unlawful shooting or, and what have you. And, and so that's kind of what they're talking about here in this 2016 article. But no local, state, or federal lawmakers have banned police from using unnecessary deadly force. In other words, it's not illegal to shoot these unarmed people. So what? What? What you going to do? It's not illegal. I didn't do anything illegal. Rather, lawmakers at all levels still allow police the maximum latitude to use deadly force that constitutional law permits. Indeed, a comparison with police, and this is very important here and why I chose this article to share with you. It says, a comparison with police in the UK shows that this leniency goes too far to protect police at the price of civilian deaths. Who is protecting who? As written, interpreted, and enforced, laws and rules protect the police from the public. They are woefully inadequate, however, at protecting the public from the police. Despite some high-profile violence against police, American police officers have never been safer. Concerns over a quote-unquote Ferguson effect, another topic at the latest GOP debate, are premature at best. The Supreme Court invalidated deadly force to make arrests or prevent escapes back in 1985. They later ruled that laws permitting deadly force to prevent grave and imminent harm from the perspective of a reasonable officer on the scene are constitutional. So what they were saying is, back in 1985, the Supreme Court was saying that you can't really justify deadly force in every arrest or to prevent escapes. That's what they were saying back in thirty in, in eight, 1985. But later on, in regards to these special laws that were passed to protect police, then they're saying, hey, it's constitutional, you know? Hey, they went through the proper process. The legislatures uh, uh, voted. The governor signed it into law. It's constitutional. Big di Again, tell me voting don't matter. The Supreme Court imagined the reasonableness standard as objective in light of the full set of facts and circumstances confronting the officer at the time deadly force is used. In practice, the reasonableness of deadly force is fluid and con contested. What is reasonable fear? For example, Laquan McDonald standing in the middle of the street with a small blade in his hand, small knife, which I read was actually a legal knife under four inches. But he's standing in the middle of the street walking away from the police when here comes Mr. Van Dyke, not even five seconds on the scene, pulls out his gun and just starts shooting. At this teenager with a pocket knife walking away from him. A reasonable person would say that 
His so-called fear was unreasonable. That's a reasonable person. But again, we don't deal with reasonable people all the time in this society. The juries are not being full, filled with reasonable, objective uh, people. People are coming with their biases. I don't care if they do say, oh, I could set aside my support for the police and judge it based on the fact. I don't care about it. They say anything they want to say, all right? People come in with biases and prejudice. And I think that's why I think there should be some kind of screening for jurors, not just the the prosecutor and the defense attorney, um, you know, having a certain amount of uh, people they can strike off that they don't want to see. No, it needs to be a scientific-based screening process where a person takes a test, some sort of test, to determine bias. Okay? If we're looking for the best system possible for implementing justice, that is. Unfortunately, we don't live in such a society, but we can make it one, you know, if the right people get involved. So anyway, it goes on. Let me jump down. It says that it was talking about, it was comparing how many cops get killed in the UK and saying how rare it is, but but they had to deal with the same stuff that American cops had to deal with. It says the perhaps the best way to save civilian lives is to limit the police use of so-called tactical responses that are the most likely to result in unnecessary deaths. Comparing police killings and officer fatalities in the United States to the United Kingdom reveals some of these tactics and circumstances. Fatal police shootings are exceedingly rare in the UK. Americans were 403 times more likely than Brits to be fatally shot by police in 2013-2014. If British police survived the same types of situations without taking any lives, that suggests most killings in the United States under those circumstances are unnecessary. And they go on to give some other statistics. For example, British police recorded 26,370 violent knife crimes during the 2014-2015 fiscal year, including those that threatened police. But British police have killed only one person armed with a knife since 2008. During that time, no British officers were killed by weapons other than guns. American police fatally shot 53 unarmed people in vehicles in 2015. By contrast, since 2008, no British police have killed anyone to stop a threatening vehicle. During that same period of time, no British cops died because they failed to stop a vehicle. Okay? So, politics matter. Policy matters. And this is why we see so so many uh people, American citizens and non-citizens alike getting gunned down by these cops. These cops know they won't be held accountable. Hell, it lose their job if they're not convicted of a crime, they'll end up on another police force. We saw that with the killer cop who killed Tamir Rice where he was fired 
And his supervisor said, this person is immature and has no business in law enforcement. And so he got fired and they went through the proper procedures. And then he ends up in, in Cleveland on a, with a new job at, and look at the result. A dead 12-year-old. So, I'm just saying, before before we jump out there, and and I don't think we should ever be calling people coons and out their names. You know, that's high school type stuff. That's middle school type type behavior. You know, sometimes I do understand the use of terms to that accurately describe a person's behavior, but you know. I don't think coon is something that should be in our vocabulary as black people when we're referencing other black people, you know. White people made that up and, and said, you know, they are making us akin to raccoons and, and what have you, animals, basically calling us animals and what have you. I, I, I just know. But it, again, in, in regards to this Dallas police chief and the criticism that she's facing because they didn't fire this woman right away. Well, that's because of these laws. If you want to see quicker action, then maybe you need to get some people in the politics that's going to change these laws. But again, though, quick is not always the best way to do something, especially if you're trying to make sure what you do is going to stick. I, I can see this woman taking her time, not just because of the loss, but saying, but because, hey, I don't want to give this woman any ammunition to use against us later in a civil lawsuit say, saying that we unjustly fired her. We want to do this by the book. We want to dot our I's and cross our T's. I can totally see that. And so I find, you know, um, the knee-jerk reactions to her, the emotional um, diatribes against her, I just find them to be factless and baseless, man. You know? And I think she did a good job explaining why they didn't fire her right away. Wanted to make sure it sticks want to make sure we adhere to the law so that they can't come back later and say, oh, you violated her rights, and then it even throws the criminal case in, into jeopardy. So I, I'm giving her I, I'm giving her some leeway on that because it, it seems to be based on, on uh, logic. All right. So that was really my main story that I, I wanted to talk about. Um, today, I will go over some of these other stories briefly. If there's no questions, no uh, comments from the listening audience, uh, then once I go through those stories, I will wrap it up. Um, I do have some other work I need to do. Um, but if the time's needed, I'm here. Um, but at this time, I'm going to take a station identification break and a music break and on the other side I will jump on some of those other stories even if just briefly I don't you know some of them just speak for themselves there's, there's no need of buckets of words from yours truly um, you know I think we got a pretty educated and logically thinking audience and, and you know they'll ascertain it 
So you're listening to BTR News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind these enemy lines. Stay tuned. Myself and my person by stating I'm darkly packed. I know this, so I point at Q-tip and he stays black as black. Mirror, mirror on the wall, shovel chestnuts in my path. Just keep on the infinite so I don't get an aftermath. But if I do, I'll calmly punch them in the fourth day of July. Cause they try to mess with third degree, that's me, myself, and I. Nah. Me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I.
check it out. I call it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. For my brothers with daughters, I saw my daughter send a letter to some boy her age who locked up. First I regretted it, then caught my rage. Like, how could I not protect her from this awful face? Never tried to hide who I was, she was taught and raised. Like a princess, but while I'm on stage, I can't leave her defenseless. Plus she see me switching women, poppers on some pimps. She heard stories of her daddy thugging. So if her husband is a gangster, can't be mad, I love her. Never for her, I want better. Homie in jail, dead dad. Wait till he come home, you can see where his head's at. God came, they be trying to live. He seen your mama crib, plus I'm sure he know who your father is. Although you real, plus an honest kid. Don't think I'm slow, I know you probably had that chronic lid. You 17, I got a problem with it. She look at me like I'm not the cleanest father figure. But she rockin' with it. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. Not saying that our sons are less important. Uh, 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 uh. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. Not saying that our sons are less important. Morning, I got a call, nearly split my wig. The social network said, Nas, go and get your kids. She's on Twitter. I know she ain't gonna post no pic of herself underdressed. No inappropriate rights. Her mother cried when she answered. Said she don't know what got inside this child's mind. She planted a box of condoms on her dresser, then she Instagrammed it. At this point, I realize I ain't the strictest parent. I'm too loose, I'm too cool with her. Should've drove more time to school with her. I thought I dropped enough jewels on her. Took her for private school so she can get a Balance to public school, they too nurture teen talents. They grow fast. One day she's your little princess. Next day she's talking boy business. What is this? They say the coolest players and foulest heartbreakers in the world. God gets us back, he makes us have precious little girls. Uh. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. Not saying that our sons are less important. Uh. 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 For my brothers with daughters, I call this. For my brothers with daughters, I call this. Not saying that our sons are less important. Uh, yeah. And I ain't trying to mess your thing up. But I just want to see you dream up. I finally understand. It ain't easy to raise a girl as a single man. Nah, the way mothers feel for their sons, how fathers feel for their daughters. When he date, he straight, chip off his own papa. When she date, we wait behind the door with a sword off. Cause we think no one is good enough for our daughters. Nah. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. And welcome back to BTR News. Scotty Reed in on this broadcast from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. We just heard from Nas Daughters, and before that, we heard from Day La Soul, me, myself, and I. You know, I grew up during the golden era of hip hop. I, I can't tell you about what's going on today. Although there are some artists that aren't 
featured on your local radio stations that are putting out some good music, so I do want to acknowledge them. But just something came to my mind. It's kind of related to this Kavanaugh hearing, Supreme Court hearing, and Nas touched upon, you know, um, saying, oh, I hope my daughter ain't posting half naked pics of herself on social media. Well, you know, back during Kavanaugh's time, and he's around the same age as I, um, we didn't have social media. We did have the internet, but we didn't have social media platforms and what have you where everybody's just posting, especially young people, posting themselves, uh, pictures of themselves out there partying, partying, even posting pictures of themselves with with drugs and drinking and just all kind of stuff. Well, those young people are not taking into consideration of what they might want to be later on in life and how these pictures may come back to haunt them. So that's just something to, you know, take note of, young people, if you're out there listening and something we need to be talking to our sons and daughters about. Hey, you say you want to be a, a attorney. Hey, you might want to be a judge one day. You, Hey, you, who knows? You're a very smart young person. You could be supreme a Supreme Court justice one day. So do you think it's really a good idea to be posting your youthful indiscretions to social media? Okay? No, you should not. So that's a lesson. That's a less a life lesson there for you. Okay, so speaking of Kavanaugh, a second woman is coming forth saying that he teabagged her, basically put his penis in her face, pulled down his pants, put his penis in her face when they were students at Yale Law School. Now, I already opened up by saying at the beginning of the broadcast that I'm not one to hold a person's past against them. It just depends. It, it just depends on what you did. If you murdered a bunch of people and they find out later you a serial killer, absolutely you need to pay for that, okay? You know, I, there's been some young serial killers out there and what have you. Yeah, you need to pay for that. Um, but I do not agree with people being sentenced to life in prison because of something they did when they was 15, 16. I, I remember one case, vaguely remember this case, where an eight-year-old had killed an infant baby in the crib that was left unattended, and the eight-year-old bashed the little baby's head in. Man, there was people arguing to charge an eight-year-old as an adult, which means we sentence you as an adult that's just ridiculous that's ridiculous not to not to lessen um the life of the victims but we have to be reasonable i for one have not led a perfect past okay and there's things that I have done that I am not proud of today and I wouldn't do them today and I wouldn't have did them then if I'd have known any better, okay? And so I, I don't think that people should be punished for something that happened 30, 40 years ago. But the truth does matter. And in the context of this Supreme Court um, hearing that is being conducted by the Senate, 
I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Although I've never done anything like that. I've never pulled my penis out on a drunk woman and and you know put it in her face or anything like that. Okay, but the truth matters. And if there is enough people saying that you did this, and you know if you did it. Now, I understand that sometimes people with alcohol problems do have blackouts, and it does affect their memory, and they may not remember stuff that they did when they were binge drinking and what have you. But, you know, enough people did say that they are aware of was in the room or at least one person said she was in the room and saw it um other people said that they heard about what he did uh pulled his pants down put his penis in this drunk woman's uh face and what have you and so why why not just say you know i had an alcohol problem you know alcohol is a problem in during college and even high school and I would get blackout drunk and I just simply don't remember. But if I did, let me take this opportunity to apologize and say I don't condone that type of behavior and what have you. But that's that's not what we're hearing from him. He's not saying he's had he's had a drinking problem in the past. In fact, he's trying to say that he was a saint and he wasn't engaged in in the uh hijinks that a lot of males engage in and even some females as someone pointed out today you know there were females involved in this drinking binge that uh happened at Yale Law School but to sit up there and act like you're a saint and you've never done anything wrong then that speaks to your credibility that speaks to your ethics and if you're going to lie during a senate confirmation hearing then you violated the law just simply say, I don't remember if, in fact, you don't remember. But if I did, since I got several people saying that I did this, then I apologize. I would have more respect for that person than uh, just blanket denial and portraying myself as some kind of saint who never did anything wrong. That is just not believable. It's not believable. Okay? So... Let me read a little bit from this New Yorker article. Let me uh, move down. It says the Democratic Senate offices reviewing allegations believe that they merit further investigation. This is another serious, credible and disturbing allegation against Brett Kavanaugh. It should be fully investigated. Senator Maisie Horano of Hawaii said, an aide and one of the other Senate officers added, these allegations seem credible and we're taking them very seriously if established. They're clearly disqualifying. And I would, I would again, I would say, I would say, something that you did while you was drunk as a young person, short of murdering somebody, short of raping somebody short short you know this sound sounds like and i'm not in any kind of way trying to say this type of behavior is acceptable but it's common among young people whose brains are not fully developed and then you throw in alcohol and other drugs and you know it just prohibits their ability to make good decisions they just do stupid stuff thinking it's funny and what have you so i wouldn't say if he put his penis in that woman's face as long as he didn't stick it in her mouth or, or something like that 
I wouldn't say it's disqualifying. What I would say is disqualifying if the evidence is determined to be credible, if you have several witnesses to this event and he continues to deny that it happened, I would say lying about it is disqualifying instead of just being honest and saying I'm a human being I've made mistakes in my past I would like to take this opportunity to apologize to Deborah Ramirez but I, I don't believe I did anything uh, criminal there um, and I apologize if in fact this is something stupid I did during my drunken stupor and what have you so it goes on to say the woman at the center of the story, Deborah Ramirez, who is 53 years old, attended Yale with Kavanaugh, where she studied sociology and psychology. Later, she spent years working for an organization that supports victims of domestic violence. The New Yorker contacted Ramirez after learning of her possible involvement in an incident involving Kavanaugh. The allegation was conveyed to Democratic senators by a civil rights lawyer. So she didn't even contact anyone. They contacted her after getting information from another party who had knowledge of this event that happened in college. For Ramirez, the sudden attention has been unwelcome and prompted difficult choices. She was at first hesitant to speak publicly, partly because her memories contained gaps because she had been drinking it. See, did she be honest? Why can't he be honest? She was at first hesitant to speak publicly, partly because her memories contained gaps because she had been drinking at the time of the alleged incident. In her initial conversation with the New Yorker, she was reluctant to, char to characterize Kavanaugh's role in the alleged incident with certainty. So in other words, she's saying, I'm not going to say what he did to me was criminal or what have you, but I certainly didn't appreciate waking up with a penis in my face. After six days of carefully assessing her memories and consulting with her attorney, Ramirez said that she felt confident enough of her recollections to say that she remembers Kavanaugh had exposed himself at a drunken dormitory party, thrust his penis in her face, and caused her to touch it without her consent as she pushed him away. Ramirez is now calling for the FBI to investigate Kavanaugh's role in the incident. I would think an FBI investigation would be warranted, she said. In a statement, Kavanaugh wrote, this alleged event from 35 years ago did not happen. The people who knew me then know that this did not happen. Well, she knew you then. <laughs> Some of the other people who saying that they heard, they heard about the incident knew you or knew of you. The people who knew me then know that this did not happen and have said so. This is a smear, plain and simple. I look forward to testifying on Thursday about the truth and defending my good name and the reputation for character and integrity I have spent a lifetime building against these last minute allegations. Okay? So, a blanket statement of denial. Okay? I don't hear him saying nothing about I didn't drink back then. I never got drunk, even though, you know, one of your buddies wrote a book about how y'all used to drink and all the debauchery that y'all would partake in. And we know this is part of college life. College is probably only second 
to the U.S. military when it comes to rapes and, and other kind of sexual assaults and things like that. So, you know, I just don't find him find his blanket denial to be credible. If I was hearing something like, you know, young people do stupid stuff. I don't recall this happening. I, I was a heavy drinker back then, and it's possible it could have happened. I just don't remember. I mean, at least she was honest enough to say, you know what, I need to think about this because my memory's kind of spotty because I was drunk too at the time, okay? Now, there's other people who are saying that they uh, heard about this happening, okay? Uh, let me see if they cover that in, in this. It says, a third male student then exposed himself to her. I remember a penis being in front of my face, she said. I knew that's not what I wanted, even in that state of mind. She recalled remarking, that's not a real penis, and other students laughing at her confusion and taunting her, one encouraging her to kiss it. She said that she pushed the person away, touching it in the process. Uh, let me see. She recalled another male student shouting about the incident. Somebody yelled down the hall, Brett Kavanaugh just put his penis in Debbie's face, she said. It was his full name. I don't think it was just Brett. And I remember hearing and being mortified that this was out there. Okay? I found her to be credible because she's admitting she was drunk and that her memory spotty, spotty, but she does recall a penis being in her face and pushing it away. And then this yell, uh, male student yelling to everybody, hey, Brett Kavanaugh just stuck his penis in Debbie's face. Okay. Now, in terms of his quote unquote character witnesses and hey, people will lie for you. Your friends will lie for you, especially if they think that they can benefit somehow by a person in power. Okay? So, I tell you, man. So that, you know, I, I fully expect if there is a vote that this guy will get confirmed. He, he'll get confirmed, even if it shows that he's been lying to everybody and these things really did occur. Uh, you know, that that's part of the job description for politicians, I think. You know, capable liars, even though some of them tell lies that are so completely unbelie unbelievable that they rely on the ignorance of the person they're telling the lies to. Um, next story, I think this is a very important story. As it could, well, let me let me put it this way. This could avert World War III, I don't know, or it could go the other way, especially if one of them Israeli jets or American planes get shot down because Russia is going to send its S-300 missile defense system to Syria. Um, this comes to you from aljazeera.com. Moscow will bolster... Syria's air defense following the downing of a Russian plane last week by sending a modern S-300 system to the Syrian army within two weeks, Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu said. In a televised statement on Monday, that was today, Shoigu said, Shoigu 
said the decision, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, uh, said the decision to transfer the modern S-300 air defense system to Syrian armed forces within two weeks was taken by President Vladimir Putin and it's one of the response measures. They're talking about um, Putin and the Russians saying how they were going to respond to Israel shooting down one of its planes. On the same day, the Kremlin accused Israeli pilots of premeditated actions over the downing of a Russian plane in Syria last week, warning it would harm relations between the two countries. According to information of our military export experts, the reason behind the downing were premeditated actions by Israeli pilots, which certainly cannot but harm our relations. However, the Kremlin said the installation of S-300 was aimed at increasing safety of Russian military and not directed at any third country. Russia will also block navigation and satellite systems as well as communications of warplanes operating in the eastern Mediterranean, according to the defense minister. Now, this morning, Dave shared an article where they said that gave the impression that they were going to block these communications, navigation, and satellite systems just doing a exercise in the Mediterranean because that's where they're launching the attacks from, um, ships in the Mediterranean. But this article from Al Jazeera makes no mention of any kind of training exercise or anything of the sort just says that they're going to block the navigation and satellite systems as well as communications of warplanes. Moscow has blamed Israel for the accidental shooting down of the aircraft with 15 people on board. The Israeli military, however, said that Syria's indiscriminate air defense fire was the cause of the plane crash. Uh, let me see if there's anything else worth uh, sharing on that. The S-300 was a deal that had been signed with Syria in 2013. But Israel, quote unquote, put its foot down on negotiation with Russia and Russia decided it was going to hold off delivering these units, he said. In the aftermath of the events last week in which a Russian plane was shot down in the area over the Syrian coast, Russia has obviously decided to go against that agreement with Israel. All right, said the uh, Elias Farhat, a military analyst and retired Lebanese army general, says Syrians have already been trained on how to operate the S-300 a few years ago. So, this could actually prevent an escalation because I don't think that if they deploy this more sophisticated more accurate S-300 missile defense system in Syria. I don't think Israelis or Americans want to test that. I don't know. They may be willing to sacrifice the lives of their pilots for their geopolitical um, uh, agendas and what have you and then use that as a pretext to go to war. I don't know. I can't say uh, at this point. But I would say... Um, that this, I, I, I would say this is a good move by Russia. This is a good move by Russia. This is better than threatening to shoot down Israeli planes and what have you and just say, you know what? 
This is what we're going to do now. You can enter the airspace at your own risk. But just know these S-300 missile systems are going to be there when you do. I think that's a good political maneuver on behalf of uh, Russia. All right, let me see if there's anything else I really need to get to. Um, check out the article about Iran warning the U.S. and Israel of revenge after a parade attack. The deputy head of Iran's Revolutionary Guards warned U.S. and Israeli leaders on Monday to expect a devastating response from Tehran, accusing them of involvement in attack on a military parade in the city of Avaz. Um I would say I don't think it's a good idea to be issuing those kind of threats. Um, I think it's best to um, speak softly and carry a big stick. If you're going to do it, don't talk about it. Just do it. Now, people can interpret that. And again, this was probably stated in... Um, Farsi, I believe that's the language that they speak in Iran, and we're left to the interpretations of third parties and what have you. So I, I don't know if that's what they said, but if that's what they said, I don't think that was a codified thing to say, okay? Lay out your evidence, take um lesson from how Russia is handling uh, this thing with the Israelis, and be a little bit more codified. Now, the blame has largely been placed by the Iranians on Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and that um, Iran's Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khomeini said Iran would severely punish those behind the bloodshed. So what they're accusing those two countries of is funding terrorists um, in their country. Okay? And John McCain the recently dearly departed John McCain was actually photographed with some of those people um, um, that are part of some of them terrorist organizations uh, that launch attacks in Iran. I remember years ago vaguely, um, so don't quote me, but I remember reading an article about the United States government funding one of them groups um, through the CIA. So who knows what they're talking about? If any Iranian government officials are listening, please do not launch an attack or back any kind of terrorist attack upon the civilian populations. Okay? That's that's all I ask. Do not be like those devils and and just attack innocent civilians indiscriminately because we are not in control of what this government does or its proxies do, okay? Keep your targets to military targets. Target those you have evidence that were behind the attacks, but I don't think it's, it's a good codified response to, to just issue a blanket threat out there like that, you know? When I was in high school, when I was a fighter, um, when somebody did something like to one of my family members, like for example, my sister was, I guess you could say she was sexually assaulted. 
dude, she getting off the bus, this dude going to grab her, kept grabbing her uh, rear end. You know how, how dudes be filling up women like that. And she told me about it. And I rarely read rode the bus, but then when she told me about it, I got on the bus. And everybody knew it was going to be some stuff, right? And so this dude and his brother tried to jump on me on the bus in, in defense of, of me questioning them or telling them y'all need to keep your hands off my little sister, right? So when they did what they did, I didn't run my mouth. I didn't issue no threats. I didn't say I'll get you tomorrow or you better watch your back or or anything of the sort. No, I just got off the bus. The next day at school, I caught him sleeping in the hallway and the boy, in, let me just say, he ended up in the hospital. I'm not one for talking. If I made up my mind to do something, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to warn you. I'm not going to issue no threats or anything of the sort. I'm just going to do it. And you're going to be wondering when I'm going to do it. So I, I just don't think it's smart on the behalf of this Iranian official issuing a blanket statement like that. Now, they go on to say 22 people have been arrested in connection with the attack. Weapons, explosive materials, and communication equipment were seized in the house that belonged to the five-member terrorist group that carried out the attack. A ministry statement said, according to the semi-official Tasman News Agency, gunmen fired on a viewing stand in Alvaz, where officials had gathered to watch an annual parade marking the start of Iran's 1980-88 through 88 war with Iraq. All right, so one last thing that I would share. Let me check the board. No phone calls. Uh, let me share this one uh, couple of things because I want to end on a good note but the army is blaming a strong economy for missing its recruiting goals so we've been hearing that the economy strong um, jobs being created and, and they have uh, where you want to attribute any credit to it I'm not, I don't concern myself with that don't know president create no jobs or nothing. No, it, it's the private sector that create these jobs, okay? And let, the only way the government creates jobs is by um, expanding government operations. For example, in the area of prison slavery. Absolutely, they've created jobs by rounding up all these immigrants and throwing them in the private uh, prison, or, or as I call them, refugees. Um, but anyway... The Army has failed to meet its recruiting goal of 76,500 new recruits for fiscal year 2018, bringing in just 70,000 recruits, an 8.5% shortfall from this year's goal. About 70,000 Americans joined the regular Army in fiscal year 18, the most to enlist in a single year since 2010. And every single recruit either met or exceeded DOD standards, said Hank, Minitres and Army spokesman. The Army will still fall short of his 2018 recruiting goal. Now, he just lied to you, and I'm going to tell you why he lied to you. Because when I scroll down, it says that only one in four 
of 17 to 24 year olds, that's their target demographic in the nation, are actually qualified to enlist. And of those, only one in eight have a propensity to enlist, said the Army spokesman. All of those factors make for a difficult recruiting environment. Now, it goes on to say, let me scroll down. Through August 2018, Army statistics showed that the number of waivers for positive drug and alcohol tests had increased to 1.05%, up slightly from the 0.79% granted in 2017. Waivers for major misconduct waivers also increased to 2.88% during that same time frame, up from 2.38% in 2017. The Army official officials have maintained that the service is still committed to recruiting only qualified applicants. Well, if all of them was qualified, then you wouldn't have to issue these waivers now, would you? Okay? You wouldn't. So, that's a conflicting statement right there. Now, I would like to believe that young people, in addition to their, them claiming that, well, you know, there's more jobs available to young people these days, and that's why they're not desperate enough to join the Army, or, you know, they're... Um, besides that, I think that they're looking at the mistreatment of U.S. veterans, when you got, I think the, uh, it might be one in eight. I'm not, no, it's up to eight veterans a day are committing suicide, and then you get all of these veterans suffering from PTSD, and they're not getting the help that they need. Hence the suicides. So perhaps those are factors: the mistreatment of these veterans, um, the 17 year long illegal war being waged in Afghanistan, um, the other actions that they're taking in the Middle East, which is resulting in a bunch of people getting maimed and what have you. And these young people just not really, just not down with that. They're like, no, they'll find another way. I wish I'd have been thinking like they think, and I'll find another way for college money. You know, I don't want to go into debt I don't want to take on all these student loans, so I'll just join the military for for a few years and get the GI Bill so I can go to college debt-free, uh, even though I found out that the GI Bill wasn't paying for everything and what have you. So uh, I think that's a factor in it. I think that young people might be war fatigued. So in order to increase their um, recruiting, they're talking about changing the way that they are recruiting. And they're saying they're going to have more video games, I guess, you know, these violent video games, these contests put on by the Army to bring these young people out to, you know, participate in these war games on video and and then recruit them. Um, Let me see, what else did they say that they were going to do? Oh, social media, that they were going to spend more money. I I bet Facebook and Twitter is going to be happy about that. They're going to spend, put a greater focus on social media. Um, Yeah, and more recruiter contacts with video game competitions. So, yeah. 
Last thing I want to share with you as I get ready to wrap it up is a story about survival. And I think you can learn something from this story about this Indonesian teenager. It doesn't say how old he was, but oh, he was 19, 19 year old. So this teenager was, his job was to sit on this wooden hut and light lamps which attract fish to a fish trap. And somehow the wooden hut got cast out to sea. Whatever was anchoring it um, came up and this kid ended up floating about 80 miles out from the, it, no, he was working 80 miles out from the Indonesian coast um, for three. Let me just read the article. Reading the Bible and remembering the advice of his parents gave a teenager cast adrift on the Pacific the motivation to keep fighting for his life. Uh, Aldi Novel Adelaine worked as a lamp keeper on a floating fish trap about 80 miles out from the Indonesian coast. For three years, he lit lamps to attract fish, which would then be harvested and picked up once a week by his company. His hut would then be resupplied with food, water, and fuel. But heavy winds on July 14th snapped the moorings that held the fish trap, known as a rumpong, and cast him adrift. Over the next seven weeks, he was blown thousands of miles from home towards Guam with no paddle or engine. Man, I bet they need to rethink that. At least put a small engine on the doggone thing. Um, when the supplies ran out after a few days, the 19-year-old had to survive by using the hut's wood to cook fish and sipping seawater through its clothes to filter out the salt. And I never thought of that. I never thought of that. I, I know it didn't get all the salt out. And I still would advise against drinking salt water. But if he had access to fish, because he's on a floating fish trap, he can get, get his liquid, his water, from consuming the fish. And you can also eat the fish raw. So, but I guess, you know, since he was lighting a lamp, I guess, you know, they're, they're using some kind of fuel for these lamps, uh, lanterns or whatever. And he was, you, you know, chipping off wood from the thing to start a fire and, and what have you. But I mean, you could eat raw fish and drink the juices from those fish, drink the blood. I mean, if you're talking about surviving, yeah, you might gag on it or whatnot. Um, but at least you will survive. But he sipped on he he was able to get some water by sipping seawater through his clothes to filter out the salt. I imagine you know you take your shirt, dip it in the water, wring it out into a cup or something, and that's going to filter out some of the water, uh, at least enough to make you be able to drink it. But if you drink a lot of salt water, that's only going to hasten your dehydration. So. I think he could have survived just off of the liquids of the fish. Um, they, you know, this is a floating fish trap without the water. But he was finally found. Uh, let me see. He said about 10 ships had sailed past him. None of them stopped or saw him. And at his wit's end, he thought he was going to die and considered jumping into the ocean. But he remembered that his parents had told him to pray during times of distress. 
He told Tribune Monado that the Bible on board helped. Finally, on August the 31st, Aldi saw the carrier arpeggio and waved his cloth for help. He also tuned his turned on his radio signal, helping that the cap hoping that the captain would pick it up. When he spotted Aldi, he turned the vessel around and circled him four times. His rescue was complicated because of the waves being high, but a rope was thrown to him, which he could not reach, so he jumped in and in to grab the rope, which apparently he was able to, and a ship's crew member managed to grab his hand and pull him on board. So, um, wow. Bless young man. Lucky young man. And just keeping keeping his, um, not panicking, I would say, is what saved his life. And utilizing the resources that he did have. Great survival story. All right, that's the end of the broadcast for tonight. I'll be back on air. air. Nothing happens, God willing. Tuesday, 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time with another broadcast of BTR News. Check me out every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. You can also catch me on Wednesday nights on New Abolitionist Radio. With that said... Y'all be safe out there. We're living in a country that's still practicing slavery and it's legal. It's never been abolished. They still have it in place as punishment for crime and they're always looking to make new slaves. So with that in mind, y'all be safe. Peace and blessings to all.